Hi, my name is Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the Minister at Richmond Uniting Church and you are welcome here. You're welcome if you're part of Richmond Uniting Church or if you've connected with us sometimes or if this is the very first time that you've joined us. And you're welcome here today wherever you're at on your faith and doubt journey, whether you are full of questions or full of rage or sorrows really making it hard to move through the day or whether you're bubbling with joy and feeling a real time of consolation and and God's presence close. Wherever you're at, you're welcome. As we say each week at Richmond Uniting Church, you're welcome here. Please participate as much or as little as you feel able to. And the reason we say that is because we know that the source of all longs to meet us as we are and not as we think we should be. If this is the first time that you're joining us in this audio worship, just a bit of a heads up. The invitation is to participate in this worship. So there are pauses and silences where I'll be praying and I'll be inviting you into prayer as well. I haven't lost my place. If in the silences you find your mind racing off to what you have to do later or what hasn't been done yesterday, or just distracted in some way, instead of being cranky at yourself about that, I invite you just to come back to the stillness, come back to your breath, come back to the presence, because being still and being silent is a practice and it can take a long time and I think it's cyclical rather than linear so we can have times in our lives when we're more able to attend in quiet and times when it's really difficult, so be gentle with yourself. You might also like to have pen and paper close by so that you can make your own notes. And at any point, if you want to pause so that you can do some more journaling or make some art or have a time of prayer or have conversation with other people, please feel welcome to do that. As we begin, you might like to light a candle if you're at home. I have one lit here. And I invite you to get your feet on the ground and to take some deeper breaths. Allow your head, your mind, your body, your spirit to be just in this moment. Rest in this moment. Invite you to breathe more deeply. remembering that Jesus speaks of spirit as ruah, breath or wind. Invite us into prayer. Holy One, Sacred Three. Being of light, bread of life, breath of love. You in whom time and space are cradled. We praise you. Source of all, our homecoming. Weaver of galaxies, parent to each one, we praise you. Jesus, our healer, heart of God among us. You disclose the warp and weft of the universe, which is love. We praise you. Spirit of truth, 
flowing in grace, stirring up freedom. You awaken us to reality and embolden us for compassion. We praise you. Blessed Trinity, we are still before you. May we worship in spirit and in truth this day. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. As we gather in worship, we honour the people of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri people where Richmond Uniting Church is located. And we honour elders past and present and emerging. We also acknowledge and honour elders from across First Nations where people are gathering in worship, joining us today in different places. We acknowledge that land has never been ceded and we join our yearnings with the yearnings of God for there to be truth and justice and healing and we commit ourselves again to this God's way. For music for today, today is All Saints Day and we're going to be exploring that at length and I really had hoped to find some amazing hymn that spoke or song that spoke about the communion of saints and maybe you'll send in your suggestions to me but I found this incredibly beautiful hymn but I could find no video recording or audio recording of it. The tune is familiar and I'm putting a link up. It's the tune that is the same, Come Thou Fond of Every Blessing. Some of you will know that hymn from Sufjan Stevens singing it. I want to read you the words though of this hymn written by Jock Curl. So the same music. I'm going to put a link up on the website to an instrumental version as well as Sufjan's hymn for those who are curious. But you might want to sing along. I'm going to put the words so that you can sing to the musical accompaniment. Listen to these words. At the dawning of salvation, in the morning of the world, Christ is raised a living banner by the love of God unfurled. Through the daylight, through the darkness, Christ leads on his great array, all the saints and all the sinners he has gathered on his way. He is risen in the morning, he is risen from the dead, he is laughter after sadness, he is light which night has fled, he has suffered, he has triumphed, life is his alone to give. As he gave it once, he gives it evermore that we may live. And the final verse. For the glory of salvation in the dawn of Easter day, we will praise you loving Father, we rejoice to sing and pray. With the Son and with the Spirit, lead us on your great array, saints and sinners celebrating your triumphant love today. And it's in Together in Song and I'll put all those things up. But it's very beautiful and it seeks to speak of the great gathering in of all and it being a celebration. So we'll explore that more. On this All Saints Day, I want to give you a taste of all four readings from the lectionary. Often we only focus on two, but they're so precious that we're just going to hear them all. The first one is from like a dream journal. Revelation uh, is not seeking to write history future forward. It's someone recording their dream. The author is said to be John. We don't know which John it is, but it's full of symbols and metaphors and... um, I think we're supposed to hold it with reverence rather than pick out bits to try and foretell the future. It's not that kind of text. It's much more serious and significant. So let's just hear a little bit of the dream 
from Revelation 7 verses 9 to 11. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might to be our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is from Psalm 34, verses 1 to 10 and then verse 22. I will bless the Lord at all times. The Lord's praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. I'll magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him, and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried, and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And as I said, we were here from all four readings. This is from First John, and in biblical circles, debates about whether or how this relates to the gospel continue. We don't know, but it's an early letter written to early Jesus communities. This is 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3. So just a little tiny taste of this ancient letter. See what love the Father has given us, that we shall be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he's revealed, we'll be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. On this All Saints Day, The final reading is from the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. We get to hear again this epic sermon, the start of this epic sermon that Jesus gives in Matthew's Gospel, which is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. 
Matthew 5 verses 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These words of faith and Jesus the word. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray, then we're going to dive in. Precious God, you come to us in Jesus. Disclosing your kindness. We pray that through alchemy of great spirit, you'll breathe life into these ancient words for us. And you will open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see you more perfectly and have more courage to follow you more closely. Amen. So I wonder if you think about life after death very much. I wonder if you think that there is life after death or not, what it will be like, or if you just don't even go there. It can be a difficult subject to talk about, in part because notions about life after death have very often been twisted into tools of spiritual abuse. They've been used to manipulate people and often by Christians. People have been told that they or people they love are going to be excluded from the love of God in life after death if, for example, they don't believe certain things or do certain things, basically agree with that church's definition of right belief or right action. But this kind of judging doesn't just happen in Christianity. Across cultures and religions and time, we have this human habit of judging one another and seeking to wield power over others, saying who is in and who is out, who is more important, who is excluded, even in the afterlife. But this week, all around the world, across denominations in the Christian church, we celebrate All Saints Day. And while I am very aware that this can be a tricky topic to discuss, we're going to dive in, friends. We're going to talk about life after death. And I think it's really important that we do this because in Western culture, death talk, dying talk, life after death talk, they're the new taboo topics in our culture. It's fine to talk about sex and politics, but don't mention dying or death or beliefs in life after death in polite company. That's not okay. But it's important that we look at this because 
It actually, even in people who might not necessarily acknowledge it, it can feature as a background topic. And as we all know, when there are fears or wonderings that are not attended to, they can quietly spread throughout us and become toxic, just as individuals, but also in communities. So we're going to dive in today. Bit of context about All Saints Day. Some people claim that it's a reinterpretation of a Celtic or pagan feast day that Christians co-opted for their own purposes. Others claim that Halloween emerged out of Christian celebrations of All Saints Day. So it was the eve, the hallowed eve before All Saints Day. I'm not really sure that we can find out which of these theories is correct or whether it's another entirely different context that All Saints Day emerged from. I'm not actually sure that it even really matters that much. But it's important to know that that's the kind of debate behind the day. But for Christians, All Saints Day celebrates the conviction that death is not the final word. So really all days could be All Saints Day. In the Uniting Church Funeral Liturgy, it is proclaimed, and as I say in the funeral service, as I have my hand on the person who has died's coffin, I say these words. While death is the end of mortal life, it marks a new beginning in our relationship with God. All Saints Day provocatively calls us back to this Christian conviction. That those who have died are not lost, but continue in new relationship with God, and that somehow they are with us, a great cloud of witnesses. This is the conviction that time and space are held in God's arms in ways beyond our seeing or imagining. In a sense, all saints, they draws us back to that claim that there's only a tissue-thin veil between this world and the next. To draw from Celtic Christian language. And there are various views within the Christian tradition and there are various views within the sacred texts about life after death. We could spend a whole month looking at those. I happen to share the conviction of the earliest Christian hymns that are preserved in the New Testament. These are hymns that early, early communities were singing and then they're quoted in the New Testament as it's being written. And one of them is in Colossians. In the sacred text of Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 is the start of this hymn. And the conviction in this hymn is that all things, not even all people, all things will be gathered in, are reconciled in God. I want to read you just a little tiny bit of it. Colossians 1 verse 19, this hymn, you might want to imagine music behind it. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to God's self all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This hymn is proclaiming that God's dreaming and God's work of reconciling mean that no one and no thing will be left behind. How do you react to this ancient faithful claim? That life after death is not a competition. 
Heaven is not some prize in a tricky game where we're not sure about the rules that we have to win in order to get. But instead that in God's great moving mercy, all things will be ultimately reconciled. How do you react to that idea? This New Testament claim. I'm not talking about some idea of a free wicked into the afterlife as though there are no consequences and no judgment. But the thing is, in Jesus, the God one, judgment is revealed to be merciful and liberating and restoring. Just take a look through the Gospels at how Jesus responds to people. The Australian theologian Ben Myers speaks about it like this as he reflects on the Apostles' Creed, the ancient creed, and its claim that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. Ben says this, Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. That will be the best thing that ever happens to us. On that day, the weeds in each of us will be separated from the wheat. It will hurt, no doubt it will hurt. When our self-deceptions are burned away, but the pain of truth heals it does not destroy on our judgment day we will be able for the first time to see the truth of our lives when we see ourselves as loved amen how might we live differently if we believe this will happen Rather than belief in life after death being some kind of fear-mongering tool to manipulate or motivate people or ourselves, rather than belief in life after death making us docile in the face of evil and suffering, saying, oh, well, it'll all be better in the next life. Rather than belief in life after death being some kind of synthetic drug that seeks to numb the pain of life right now, how would it be, how would it be if we know deep down that our whole lives, that all lives, all actions, all words are thought, all thoughts are seen and cared about. And that God longs for all things, us included, to be free from hate and self-deception and selfishness and violence. Now and in the life to come, and ultimately we will be purified of these things eventually i think if we take this seriously it might spur us to start living into god's reality of compassion and peace and truth a little more right now it might prompt us to get on with it not out of fear not as some prize in a strange competition for life after death but because we are made in the image of god and as jesus discloses to the world god is love this is what we're made for As Jesus proclaims in the Sermon on the Mount that we heard from today, blessed are the merciful and the humble and those who thirst and hunger for justice, for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they are already living into divine reality. This is who and how God is, just as Jesus discloses to us all. We're called into this, this being merciful and humble this justice-making and peacemaking that Jesus embodies, that reveals the heart of the universe. Right here, right now, we're called into this and into eternity.
So for all this is true on some really serious, deep level. What does this mean for our understandings of the communion of saints? The Christian conviction that those who have already died are not lost, but are are somehow held in God and still with us. I recently heard an interview with Bishop Michael Curry, Episcopalian head of the church in the United States of America, and you may have seen him preach at the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan. In this conversation with the excellent podcast interviewer Kate Bowler, Kate asked Bishop Curry how he felt after he gave that sermon in the royal wedding. And he said as he sat down in this great church, this royal wedding with so much pomp, unbidden, he thought of the communion of saints, especially his own ancestors who had been made slaves in America. He was conscious of them now surrounding him in this context. I resonated so deeply with his words about this experience of having moments of inner feeling of awareness of the communion of saints. Not in some pietistic or soppy way, not in some way that denies the reality of grief and the important crucial work of grieving. But rather, this felt internal knowing that even when people have died, they are not entirely separated from us. There is this great cloud of witnesses standing with us, urging us on in this sacred work of being merciful, of being about love, of being humble, of striving for justice and truth and peacemaking. So on this Saints Day, I want to invite you to break the taboos of our culture and stay with this topic of death and dying and thoughts about the afterlife. So here are my wondering questions. And they're up on the website as well. What questions and thoughts emerge for you as you think about death, dying, and the Christian conviction that death is not the final word? How do you react to this? Just stay with what is actually true for you. Question two, how do you react to the idea that all things are reconciled in God as proclaimed in the Colossians hymn? And this claim that we are called to live into God's reality now of mercy and humility, of justice and peacemaking that Jesus proclaims. That this reconciling motivation and movement of God is what we're all called into because it is at the heart of the universe. The quote from Ben Myers, which is from his great little book, The Apostles' Creed, A Guide to the Ancient Catechism, I've put it up on the website so you can stay with it. How do you react to this idea that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead and it will be the best thing that ever happens to us, but it will hurt because truth will help to free us from our self-deceptions. But the pain of truth heals, does not destroy so the quotation is there. 
How do you react? How do you react to this image of divine judgment? Finally, just a question to kind of ground the whole conversation. Which saints, the people you know who have died or people from long ago who you've never met, you might have read about or read their work, which saints are inspiring you on your faith journey right now? And how will you remember them today? Give thanks to God for them on this All Saints Day. All around the world there is this pattern which is often called prayers of confession. We call it prayers of letting go here because the word in the New Testament for forgive, a feo, it means let go or release. And this pattern of prayer is not a guilt trip. It is not about me forgiving. It is simply about all of us becoming aware a little bit more of what's binding us up, what is twisting us up and seeking God's liberation, God's strength to be released so that we can live more fully into love, into compassion for God and for others and for ourselves. So let's pray. God of expansive, reconciling grace. So often we are bound up by fear or twisted with self-interest. Please, cut us free from the power of fear, from the pull of selfishness or self-loathing. Liberate us so that we can step more deeply into your divine reality of mercy and humility and peace. And radical, just compassion. Because this is what we'll be living into for eternity. In the silence, we tell you our truth and we seek your healing. Christ Jesus, the beloved, we pray. Amen. St. Paul says this, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self, not counting our mistakes, our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So friends, hear Christ's word of grace to every single one of us. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We're going to pray for this beautiful, broken world. We're going to pray for mercy and peace. You may like to imagine divine light pouring through you to those situations, to those people that we're praying for. And there's a refrain or a prayer refrain that you may like to join in. When you hear the words, your kind kingdom come, to respond, your loving will be done. God of justice and beauty, God of mercy and kindness, you who come to us in Jesus in healing love. We pray for our beautiful broken world. We pray for fair elections the world over. 
We pray that those who are manipulating the truth to spread hate, especially on social media platforms, we pray that their violence will be exposed and called to account. We pray that social media platforms will have policies restraining them from being conduits for violence. May your kind kingdom come. May your loving will be done. Please give courage to all those working for peace. To all those standing and thirsting and striving for justice and righteousness. Pray for all prophets and artists and poets speaking for the crucial importance of compassion and kindness. We pray that all people, black and brown and white, women and men and non-binary people, all people are safe. All people will be treated with dignity and respect. May your kind kingdom come. May your loving will be done. We pray for those this week who are ill, who are facing surgery, who are dying. May they know your peace deep in their lives. May they find comfort in you. May wise friends journey with them. And if you are calling them to face truths that need healing, may they have the courage to awaken to your call within. May your kind kingdom come, may your loving will be done. We give thanks for all those on the front line in this global pandemic, those working for vaccines, those working in hospitals, those working in schools, those working in aged care. We give thanks for their commitment. We pray that they will be honoured by all. May they know your strength with them as they embody grace and mercy and insight. May your kind kingdom come. May your loving will be done. And we pray for those who are on our hearts, those in desolation right now, those dealing with grief or addiction, underemployment, or those so busy they cannot breathe. May new life grow in these places. We name those who are on our hearts. May your kind kingdom come. May your loving will be done. We give thanks for the saints, for those who have touched our lives, who now join you in the great feast, for those we've known and for those we've only known through the writing or the speaking of others. And we pray for your church everywhere. May we embody the radical love of Jesus and where we are known for judging or fear-mongering, please 
call us to account as a church. Change us. Your kind kingdom come. Your loving will be done. And we pray as Jesus inspired us in this version of the Lord's Prayer is by Jim Cotter, life giver, pain bearer, love maker, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by all peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us and help us to forgive. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. There's a beautiful song by the epic band, The Blind Boys of Alabama. Uh, And check them out if you haven't already. They've been playing for decades And they've got this song, Walk in Jerusalem, and it holds that tension of I'm going home, conviction about life after death and about the strength of God holding us now and as we continue to walk. And it refers to John and um, speaking of John the Dreamer from the author of Revelation. I hope you enjoy it. And our final blessing. So all the resources are on the website, richmond.unitingchurch.org.au. Just click on 1st of November for All Saints Day. Here's a final blessing, friends. I know it's been a big topic. Um, Reach out if you'd like to talk some more. Friends, in Christ Jesus, we discover that at the heart of the universe is wild, reconciling compassion for all things. Stronger than death is the power of the resurrection life. Greater than any human curse is the blessing of God. And more powerful than any violence is the healing love of God. So go boldly in love. And as you go in this life and the life to come, may the blessing of God, Holy One, Sacred Three, be infusing you and filling you and guarding you. In the name of Christ. Amen.